Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. No Stephen again this week um, because he is a slacker. Um, but as a result, you stuck with me, Gareth Barker, again, leading the proceedings as we dissect another incredibly disappointing result on the road. Um, Sunderland's lost 5 1, an emphatic defeat. Um, I'm joined by uh, Jimmy Ray uh, of the Wise Men Say fraternity. Good evening. Evening, Gareth. Evening, everyone. Um, yeah, uh, feeling feeling great. I am. Um, <laughs> I'm also joined <laughs> by um, the Sunderland Echoes, Phil Smith. Um, how are you doing, Phil? Evening all. Yeah, not not bad. All things considering, just about recovered from Saturday. Just about. Yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't like you know, travelling. Uh, Portsmouth or Plymouth or something like that. Gillingham, oh, yeah. yeah, Gillingham, <laughs> and when it's happened, I guess. Um, but I mean, we'll get straight into it, really, with the football. I mean, it was always going to be a tough contest, wasn't it? And it was going to be, you know, a test of the credentials, especially after the week. And yeah, getting a draw against QPR and winning on penalties. Um, you know, this is a team we're facing at the weekend, the champion. Uh, a championship regular over the last sort of three three last six seasons, I guess, um, and we're just completely outplayed and bullied by a much better team than us on the day. Um, we've talked about it before. It was always going to be one of those where we gonna we were going to have to be at our best, and we certainly weren't, were we, Jimmy? No, um, I was sort of. Really, really, really shocked and disappointed by how bad we actually were. I think because, like you've said, I was—I knew it was going to be a tough game, and and obviously in the previous the, the game we were discussing how Rotherham were probably the best team in the league statistically. Um, but my sort of feeling on that pre-game was, well, yes, yeah, so are we. So you know, we can go there, and it might not be easy. But um, the sort of difference between sort of what what we did on Saturday and what I've seen us do previously where we need to be it was absolutely massive and it was just so so disappointing to even even when we got back into the game to be fair that was that was a really good goal Ross Stewart was probably the best player all day for, from a Sunderland perspective anyway and he certainly scored a good one there and then we we just didn't really ever sort of build on it we had a couple of chances afterwards maybe but it was just so disappointing and the McGeady sending off and the substitutions at half time not working, just everything about it was just sort of a really real disappointment. And and I'm trying to sort of be quite level headed about it. Insofar as obviously 
we have plenty of time to put it right. We have another big game tomorrow and stuff, but I just it's just annoying that we've conceded. You know, I don't know. I just I think I think it just may, basically makes tomorrow's game massive for for everyone concerned. I think the players, the manager, and the fans as well. Um, and yeah, um, having spent sort of fourteen hours out of the house traveling to Rotherham and back on Saturday, I was uh, it, oh, everything about the day was just terrible. Um, bar some good pints, I guess, sort of before and after. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we'll get on to the importance of the game tomorrow night. Um, Sheffield Wednesday in the second half of the pod, um, but it, I don't know. You know, we've sort of mentioned how it kind of excuse the the Portsmouth game to an extent, Phil, because of the weather and all that kind of thing. And then we can put um, the Charlton defeat down as a bad day at the office. But then this happens at the weekend, and then you look at it, and we beat Crew, who were terrible. Um, we didn't play that well at Gillingham. We've lost three of our last five games. Um, <laughs> how many bad days at the office can you have before it actually isn't that? Yeah, I think that, well, I think we're at the point now where it, it starts becoming a trend, not to be negative about it, but to say that there are some some issues here. I mean, I expected at some stage in the season to be having you know, a, a debate or a discussion, what have you, about, you know, having a very, very young side and blooding them in a competitive division while trying to get them out of the league. I probably didn't expect to come this early and I probably didn't expect the defeats to be this severe. Um, but I thought that, you know, physically defending the box didn't really look up to it. Um, I think that, I think you would have to say that the start and the lineup didn't look great, respectively. I think to pick Diaku and McGeady, um, I sort of at the time I thought, well, that's quite positive. He's trying to push Rotherham's wing backs sort of back, um, try and sort of influence the game that way. But in the end, it just looked like a little bit of a mess. And I think that, you know, clearly in these games against this kind of opposition, something's going to have to change a little bit. Not necessarily rip the whole thing up because you see from that first goal that sometimes when a team presses you like that and they're really direct and they're really physical, if you can show a bit of composure and play out, then actually you can get joined. I thought that was the biggest issue, to be honest. It wasn't necessarily that Rotherham were putting crosses into the box. It was that every time someone got the ball, they were frantic and they were giving it straight back. And that is concerning because that's not what you expect from this group of players. You expect them to be able to handle that better. So I'm not sort of... Um, I'm quite concerned, but I still think this is a good group. I think they'll win a lot of games. But I think maybe in terms of this style of opponent and this kind of opposition, you know, maybe you have to find... a bit more of a balance, you know, players like Corey Evans, for example. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a trend. I don't think you can just write it off as a one-off anymore or not something to worry about. I'm still broadly positive about the season, but it's it's definitely something to think about. Yeah, I think <clears throat> it did feel from the start, like you write about the pressing and we're giving the ball away cheaply. And I don't know what you thought, Jimmy, but it felt very Portsmouthy. Like after 10 minutes, I was looking at it going, this has started very in a very yeah. similar fashion where we're kind of playing the ball out from the back, but we're not really going anywhere. And then we're forcing to play clip balls into, into feet sort of on the halfway line um, to try and retain possession and then giving the ball away, um, giving away free kicks. I mean, 
how many I don't know how many free kicks we gave away in the first half. Um, but I, I don't know what your feelings were, sort of when you were there, give you a good sense what was coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely could. I think I think um, the the biggest issue for me, especially in the first half, was the midfield. I think it was just not fit for purpose um, in the way that they were playing. The like you said, the amount of balls we didn't win. The amount of fouls we gave away, it was just it just seemed that they had two or three more men in midfield than we did, even though they obviously didn't. Um, I think none of the players in midfield could say that they uh, had a good first half. I think the fact that nine was taken off at half time obviously uh, was indicative that of, of that as well. I think that realistically against a team like that, obviously it is going to be tough. It is you are going to have to. They are going to work. They are going to press. They are going to play. And we just, everything stemmed from that. Like you say, we weren't able to get a foothold, really, um, apart from the odd time on the break, because the midfield, there was no, it, it's basic, but we, I don't, there was no second balls win. There was there was very few tackles won. There was too many fouls given away. There was really, to, everyone was static. The amount of times Stuart would get the ball, sort of, like you said, clipped to him to, on the sort of the halfway line, there'd be no one running beyond him. There was not really any option for him but to go back again. And it all seemed a bit condensed and then it would stretch too much and it was just disjointed. And I think the midfield really um, contributed to that mainly because we weren't able to rely on them to win the ball back consistently, nor were we able to really use them to play forwards regularly enough. I thought... Um, Dan Neal was was it was also poor, which I don't like to criticise him because of how good he's been. I think he had a poor game as well. Uh, admittedly, uh, the few times we did do things moving forwards, I think it was generally for him starting it from midfield, but there was not enough of that. I think O'Nine really, really struggled. He stood out to to me and a lot of people around me in the stands as as as, as having a very very poor half. I think Embleton struggled as well. I don't think he really. He got a chance to show anything. He, he, he seemed very rusty. Um, and I think, obviously, when your whole midfield is sort of out of sync, that, that is a major problem, especially against a team as good as Rotherham, and they definitely capitalised on that. Like Phil said as well, I think it, was, it wasn't it was so much we were under a t- constant bar, sort of making it better than they were almost. We were sort of struggling to, to do anything about what they were doing, which then made it, made it so easy for them. It was, you know, they identified what they needed to do and just did it repeatedly and it just seemed we weren't able to handle it. I think, you know, the, I thought the referee was a little bit, sort of like, given a lot of, like, a lot of the sort of tussles and stuff. I mean, the the amount of free kicks that they were winning for nothing, but it was all coming from, I think, that midfield pair of Neil and, and particularly nine, like you say, just, you know, Stabbing at the ball and you know, kind of climbing tackles. Yeah, it was, it, was missed, just... it was everything was mistimed. Whether it was yeah. the headers, it was trying to win second balls and fifty fifties or tackles. Everything just seemed to be. He was that little bit too late, and it mainly was stretching and he was fouling. And ironically, in the lead up to the goal, um, there was two tackles he made. I think, I think, but certainly he made one of them, maybe both, where Rotherham fans were appealing for a free kick, which they didn't get, and then we scored from it. But I think that was the only time, like you say, the ref didn't blow up for for sort of those sort of late, like, yeah. mistimed sort of niggly fouls that kept given away. Um, and it it was evidence, really, that there's something needs to change in that midfield. Because if, if that... I mean, never mind against a team as good as Rotherham. If, you play, if our midfield plays like that, we won't, we won't be winning games against anybody in, the, in, in, any, in, in this league at all. Because it was so, so poor. Cool. 
I know, um, you know, we talked when you'd been on the pod earlier in the season, Phil, about O'Nine and his role and, you know, how, um, you know, he's kind of be seen as this number eight or whatever. Um, and like, personally, I don't, I don't feel as though we've, we've really seen, he's more of a destroyer really than a, a box of oxide player. But I mean, so as somebody's obviously had that, the opinion that we he was going to be, to be, to be deployed in that manner and it kind of hasn't happened. If he's not doing that role, are you, are you, would you be tempted now to say if, if Evans does fit right, we have to take all nine out and and bring uh, and bring Evans in more regularly in that area? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, I mean, O'Neill has played an awful lot of football as well in the early stages of the season. He's been one of those who's played pretty regularly through the Cups and I think he looked like someone on Saturday who needed a breather. Um, so I'd definitely be doing that tomorrow and I'd be even considering trying to get him out of the Cup games in the next couple if I could and just give him a a proper chance to rest and recuperate. I mean, I, I thought when he was moving into midfield, I think kind of like you've alluded to there, Gareth, I did think we see more of him breaking into the box and um, trying to get on the end of things in terms of headers, crosses, because um, he's quite a good finisher. Um, but I suppose the balance of the side with that number 10 that they've mostly played with means we haven't seen much of that. And I do wonder if going forward, you know, that is one solution Johnson can maybe consider a little bit more is playing that three that we saw at QPR with Evans just screening. Gives O'Nine a bit more chance to get further up the pitch, maybe play a little bit more. You can always drop one of your, you know, M button on the right if you like and have a better balance that way. So I think there's definitely options there. But yeah, I think watching yesterday, I think you know, Evans for for O nine is is the obvious change to make at this point, isn't it? I think you need a little bit more reliability in your distribution. I mentioned that a lot, but you know, you talk about giving away free kicks, giving away throw ins as well. That was a big thing. The amount of times yeah. went out of play, you know, and you just immediately give them Rotherham that momentum back. I would, I would definitely make that change, but I'm reluctant to talk too much about online because, to be fair, you know, you could go through the pitch and there were a lot of problems. Like I say, the, the wingers I thought were a huge issue off the ball. I mean, a lot of the times you weren't really sure where they were supposed to be, why they were where they were. That exposes your fullbacks. Was the defending of the balls in the box good enough? Probably not. You know, so I thought I did honestly just think that Ross Stewart really was the only player yeah. that came close to fulfilling his remit in, in a horrendous team performance. I thought he was excellent, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I, He's got I, a touch I of class, hasn't he? Definitely, definitely. I think one of my first thoughts after after the final whistle was that, that I thought that um, when you try and search for a positive after a game like that, I think my first thought was, was Stuart. I think he he what he did didn't really change um, from what he's done in most games he's played. I.e. he was he was a threat. He was working. He worked so hard. He was he, he was running. He was battling. He was Combining that with some great touches, great flicks, obviously he took his goal really well. And I just think that um, he, he his level didn't drop <clears throat> like virtually everyone else's did. And I think uh point Phil just made about the wingers is is, is important as well because um, it, he it was left isolated a lot because he didn't really have anyone making uh, runs through often enough. I think to play both Magidi and Diaku, um, obviously... Didn't work. I think Diaku got it. Actually, got in a couple of times just because of how quick he is. Um, but I think his sort of composure on the ball needs work. Um, I'm not going to write him off particularly, but he does definitely need to improve in that area. I think he he there were moments where he could have done better, and I think McGeady just all the way through the game. I think the sending off probably just summed up his performance um, when he was on the pitch. I just think he was he was he was just a really bad game from him, and frustratingly for probably. 
our most experienced and also arguably most gifted player to, to put in a performance like that in a game of that against a team where really we need our best players to perform was it was really sort of frustrating. And I think probably him being out of the side for a bit is a good thing um, for everyone concerned because, to be honest, he's not been great for much of this season. He always has that threat, so it's always worth having him on, people say. And I, I've thought that as well. If, you know, just because he can produce something out of nothing. But I think if he's turning in performances like he did on Saturday, really things need to change uh, in the way that he's approaching the games because we need more from him if he's going to play. And he, because he's not great at tracking back. I mean, he has got better at that, but he doesn't have the physicality to be able to do it at the age he is in terms of his pace. And obviously his tackling, as evidenced by the way he was sent off, um, is is not is not is not the best because he has made that type of tackle a few times this season. I've noticed. Yeah, I, th- I think like Phil's highlighted, you know, it's, it's not about digging one particular player out, and you know the like you know one of the sort of Johnson quotes, which is like the football cliche, you know, you win as a team, lose as a team, all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, he picked the team. Some might argue well, he didn't really have many options, I guess, in, in those wide areas if you wanted to play that way. No, he obviously switched to the three at, at the back at half time and it was worse. We started the second half so badly. Um that was so annoying. That was possibly yeah. the most annoying aspect was I thought, well, we've got okay, fair enough. We've we've gone behind again, but but you know, we, we did get back in the game and going in at half time two one down away to a team like like Rotherham is not a, by any means terminal. If if we'd have come out in that second half, we there was ample opportunity. We because we were able to get in behind them into dangerous positions, and we did that even as badly as we played. But like you say, to to sort of start the second half as badly as we did was really really frustrating, and also then just set the tone for what was to come. Um, I mean, we talk about the defensive contributions of the wide players. Um, I mean, you're never going to. I mean, McGee does try, but he, I think what we've seen, Diago just doesn't really know what he's supposed to be doing. Um, I don't know what you think about the defensive situation, Phil. I know that you know Doyle's was bullied at the weekend. Wright came on, and it was a disaster for him. I mean, I think there's some stats going around. Basically, he made no no contributions to the game whatsoever. Um, is there a temptation to maybe have a look at Alves, Phil? I don't know what you think about that. If you're going to pair somebody with Flanagan, yeah, I, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, Rice kind of sums Sunderland's wake up. By the way, I think again, not digging out individuals at all, but someone who I was so impressed with at QPR, and who just looked like someone who'd played a lot of Championship football and was stepping back up to that level. Um, and then on Saturday, just struggled so much, like we said before, with the team around him. But I think I kind of summed up someone's bizarre week. Alves, yeah, I think it's it's a strange one because, again, you don't feel like you know yet how he's going to cope with the sort of challenges of League One because all the games we've seen him in have been quite like, inverted commas, championship games. Yeah. He looks good. He's comfortable on the ball. He very rarely gives it away. He's quick. He makes quite a lot of interceptions. Um, I suppose it's the reason why he's probably been reluctant to put him in ahead of Doyle so far as one Doyle's been Obviously, Doyle's a left footer, so he obviously likes that balance as well. Um, but I think you've definitely got to freshen it up. I thought Doyle and Sirkin both looked 
a little tired, um, a little exposed on Saturday. Um, and I think you've got to freshen it up. Now, Denver Hume being injured obviously means you can't freshen it up at left back. So I think definitely um, Alves is, is one of those options. And listen, this was going to happen at some stage in the season when you have players who still now have only played nine or ten senior games. You know, they wouldn't be at this level if they were ready to to cope with these challenges three times a week, every week. Um, it was inevitable we were going to have these bumps in the road the way someone's doing it. The challenge is getting the middle road so you can compete for the top two while developing these young players. And I guess that's the challenge for Johnson now is is how he gets that balance that balance right. Yeah, I mean, he's come out after the game and made a comment about being a land in the, line in the sand and how they're going to address it. Um and you know he said if we either address it what we do now and then he mentioned he brought January up. Um, it's quite interesting isn't it, how the narrative has kind of shifts. You know, in, in what fourteen games that we've had, where you know we've had it's gone from being like, "Oh, I'm not sure about this," or bringing these players in, and then it's all oh, it's the best window for years, and now it's all oh, you know when we we're weak in. Y positions, we in the forward areas, where we get this position, where we get left back, where we get right back. It's just, and it's all in 14 games. I mean, it's we're only like a quarter of the way through the season, really. Um, and, and we're kind of having this conversation about squad strength and obviously injuries, difficult to legislate for, but you know, we, I think, evidence of that switch to the back three and how we have to shift things around a bit kind of does highlight we maybe we'd, we we don't have the strength and depth we thought we had and you know how many how many players are we going to be now how many players are we going to be looking at if we're serious about getting promoted in January to ensure that you know we've we've got enough in the tank to to make the changes we need to when these situations occur, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Phil, and or if you've kind of getting any general vibes when you've when you've been around the club or sports people from the club about what they might be looking at in January. Well, I think that you know Johnson was always quite clear. Well, in fact, the club was quite clear with Johnson as well. They prefer to work with a slightly smaller squad, and I think that even if you were broadly positive about the business that they've done which I think most of us still are and these players look like good players they look like they're going to improve the club in the long term but if you'd known we were going to get to the quarterfinals of the Carabao would you have maybe looked to go a little bit stronger so you had a little bit more depth I think you probably would have done and I think that's a big part of it and that for me is why one of the reasons why I think the conversation around January has probably shifted because I think we see a number of games that there's going to be played now, I don't think you can realistically go through with three central midfielders, which is what we've got when you know Winchester's now a right back. I think, like you say, you can't really legislate for you know Huggins' stress factor in the back. There's not a huge amount you can do that. Hume was starting to look really sharp, and I know people you know will say he's got injured again. He's injury prone, but is there a huge amount you can do about being whacked on the ankle in a late challenge? Unfortunately, that happens. Um, so I think that I think it's. Partially, obviously, just a few attributes in the squad that I think these games have maybe shown they're missing maybe a little bit more experience. But I also just think the fact that we're now looking at such a big schedule um, means that all of a sudden you want another one or two players just to feel like you can rotate and not lose the quality. Um, And also, I think you would have to bring 
in my opinion anyway. It's, there's a lot of games between now and January, but I think you have to bring Jack Diamond into the conversation at some stage as well. Um, see how Diatu settles and see how he goes between now and January. But that's definitely one avenue I'll be looking at as well. So I don't think it's completely transformed how they were looking at January. I just think maybe you want a slightly bigger squad than you might normally think that was ideal just to cope with you know this you know sheer run of games that we've got. Well, that's quite interesting, actually. Another they've really considered the idea of bringing um, Diamond back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that is an option in terms of his off the ball stuff. You know, you probably outstrips Diakou on that. End product-wise, you probably look at Diakou and say, yeah, he looks a bit more dangerous around the the penalty yeah. box. Um, I don't know how you would feel about sort of bringing him back into the squad, Jimmy. Well, uh, I sort of agree with you there on both the points you just made. I think um, one of the things I always thought that was good about Diamond was that the way he was able to defend, um, but kind of like offensively defend, if you know what I mean. So he'd... He'd quite often get, you know, he'd track back, get the ball and carry it out and relieve pressure that way. Um, he saw, I think he sort of read the game quite well. I think he was quite an intelligent player, but the major issue with him was um, the lack of end product. So his numbers on goals and assists were, were low. Um, so I think Diaku, like you said, I think he probably does, well, from the limited amount that we've seen and sort of given the caveat as well that he is obviously still adapting majorly to a new country, new new level of play, new completely different type of football to what he's played before in terms of where he's playing it and how he's playing it. So I think he will need time, but he does, as evidenced by his goal at Crew and his goal against Cheltenham, he obviously is a, he's got a decent finish on him and a, and a decent amount of end product. He could have scored against Rotherham a couple of times. And to be honest, um, I think realistically, he offensively is dangerous. But like you, like you said earlier as well, I think he does definitely need some coaching in terms of how to defend Um Jack Diamond um, does does do that work well, but then he probably doesn't offer the threat going forward. So um, it's something to look at. I don't know if it might help his development more to stay at Harrogate. It would basically depend, I think, probably on on how we're looking close at the time. I think just touching on the other areas, I think it's just unfortunate. Like like you mentioned with with Hume, you can't legislate for that tackle on him. Um, it was just a bad tackle. Ironically, the crew fullback tried their best. Been on the end of some some bad tackles already uh, this season. He's only played two or three games, and I think obviously Huggins as well. It, it, it's just the same area of the pitch that we're getting numerous injuries, um, and I think that's that that obviously is annoying. Um, we also at the same time can't afford to sign too. We will be able to sign too many players because then you know you, you're looking at a bloated squad. There's going to be players who are signing thinking they're not going to play. So it, so like we said, it's the balance with that. I think we definitely do need. Another midfielder and probably another another uh, fullback as well. Ironically, Luke O'Neill can play both of those positions. Um, maybe he might be as much as he apparently well it appears that he doesn't want to be a fullback anymore. He may have to be at some point if um, the injury situation doesn't change because we do have cover for him in midfield, but we don't have cover at fullback. So it might just be that he has to do his job for the team, and uh, he has proven he can play um, both right and left back. So. Maybe we may need to use him at some point as well, especially if Sirkin is, like you said, Phil, I thought Sirkin, uh, good as he's been recently, did look tired and a bit off it on, on, on Saturday. So it is a lot of a workload for a player who previously hadn't played, obviously, any first-team professional football. So we'll, we'll give him a pass, I think. And, and But also he will need time 
Um, so yeah, maybe utilising Onai and, and or other players' flexibility may be needed too. I think um, I know what you're saying on the whole injury-prone thing and how you can't legislate for that tackle or whatever, but people are called injury-prone because they are. And like, I'm, it's harsh, but like people kind of made the same comments about Evans, like, oh, you know, he's a crock or whatever, injury-prone because he's a new sign and it's like oh well no it's it's it was just because of this or just because of that and we've seen he's been unfit for the vast majority of time he's been at the club and then we've had the same problem with Hume so those two I would say you can't really mourn too much that they've been unavailable because you know how many times have we taken chances on players who um, are repeatedly injured and you think, oh, well, this season will be different. And it never is. It's just a, like, it's sad for those players because, mm-hmm. you know, the, <laughs> there'll be a lot of players out there who probably could have made a lot more of themselves if they hadn't been constantly interrupted by injury. Um, mm-hmm. But it keeps happening. So it, it's, it's frustrating it's, for Hume this time, I think, because that was just a, just a, it was yeah, unnecessarily no, harsh. I know what you mean. You are but right. It's, just, it's, like, ju- it's always just yeah, to this or just to, just to that. Or, know. or, you know, he's unlucky. Well, he got injured off a challenge on his ankle at Coventry, the, fir- the first injury he got in no, the club. Yeah, you're absolutely Ever right. Ever since then, right. it's been... So I'm not having a go at the player, honestly. You know, it's, it's just when people talk about, you know, he's injury prone, but it was just because of this or just because of that. Yeah, but it's, you know, how many just because of this or that can you have? The season, they're only playing 10, 12 games or only available for like 25 games. It's, you know, you've you've taken that chance as a recruitment team on that play on the basis that you feel as though if they are fully fit for a number of games, they'll be able to contribute. Unfortunately, regularly, they aren't. And now the other injuries of players who aren't injury prone. I'm hoping with Evans. Go on. I hope with Evans, like, if you look at, if you you look at his... um, sort of famous 20 to 25 games a season um, sort of number that he's at. He's only at, he's only played about five. So we, we should be due a run of games with him in the team soon. Yeah, um, hopefully. Unless, yeah. unless he's going to drop below his average for this season. So uh, <clears throat> obviously it is frustrating. Um, but again, I think he's another example because he's clearly a good player. So if he wasn't injury prone like he is, he probably wouldn't be dropping down to League One. But um, that's not to say that we should be looking at, you know, we we um we, we shouldn't just you know think oh well we have to accept that um but yeah hopefully we'll have a we'll have a run of games from him soon I think I think him he if we're playing our best eleven he is in it playing that sort of screening role um I think he brings something that no none of our other midfielders really do in terms of experience and ability on the ball and reading the game as well I mean he put in some great performances early in the season where he was just cleaning up everything he was calm, he was sort of setting the tone of his metronomic passing and I think we've missed that because um, O'Neill's quite an erratic player whereas I think Corey Evans is quite the opposite of that in that he's a very calm player and I think sometimes especially against you know the better teams when the backs are against the wall, some, some, similar to what Ledbetter did at times last, last season and the season before where he can just sort of get a foot on the ball and just let everyone calm down whereas I don't think you get that from players like O'Neill. I think he he He's good in other ways of battling, but but as we've saw Gillingham, as we saw a bit on Saturday, he does throw himself into tackles and he does often find himself out of position through, I guess, a combination of enthusiasm or ill discipline, if if you want to call it that, either in terms of positioning. And I think that there needs to be a balance, and Corey Evans kind of provides that in the midfield. I do think. 
Well, we'll leave it there on Saturday um, and we'll have a little bit of a break and then we'll come back and we'll have a chat about the trip to Sheffield Wednesday um, and maybe a couple of other things as well, um, starting with the manager, uh, Lee Johnson. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terrace. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Bucket heads. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, we're going to Hillsborough. Um, it'll be... Is it the first time we've been since the... Um, Oh no, it isn't. No, we we went we we went there with Grayson, didn't we? And drew one all. I was yeah, just thinking if they scored the first like thirty yards, thirty yards in the top corner. Didn't they? Well, I wasn't quite in the top corner. I think it was through Jason Steele in the middle of the goal. I think it <laughs> yeah. was. I think you're being kind saying it was in the top yeah, corner. Yeah, maybe my memory is hazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I was thinking it might have been the first time since that uh, infamous trip um, when we won four two under Keane. Um, that was like one of the one of the uh, seminal games of that season. That was a good, but, a good day. A but good no, day. it wasn't. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> so it's irrelevant. But yeah, we're going back to Hillsborough tomorrow for the first time in a while. Um, I'll start by asking the question, how important is it to win the game tomorrow? Not only for us, you know, going forward in the season, but for the manager himself. Obviously, he's had the streaky Lee tag leveled at him. Um <laughs> you know, by people, you know, when he was at Bristol City, people, pundits and stuff have mentioned it. We've won, we've lost three of the last five league games. You know, after a brilliant start, how important is it, Phil, that he gets that win tomorrow, especially with not having a league game for a while after the Lincoln game being postponed, just to try and sort of address some balance in in that this sort of poor little run we're having in the league. I mean, I think that I think it is a really important game to show a response from Saturday. I think it's pretty selective to just kind of remove cup wins um, when we're talking about streaks, because um, I think there's three cup wins in that run, isn't there? Um, you know, well, one- draw, well, we drew with QPR and then beat some children from Manchester. If you want, if you want to be hypercritical, but 
Yeah, but I think just to say that he's on a bad streak and remove the games where they've got positive results, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But I think that it has shown some vulnerabilities in the setup. And I think going another big away game against, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday appear to be on the same level as Rotherham this season, but they are a good side. And I think it is an important game. You mentioned that gap with the national break now. And I think that is really important because clearly you don't want to be going into that um, you know, on a negative. Um, and the league form will look, begin to look quite poor if you get a poor result tomorrow. So I think it is a really important game just to show a response really um, to, to, to what happened on Saturday. I think broadly speaking, isn't there? There's still positivity about a lot of the changes that have happened this season and about the squad. Um, and I suppose it'll be you know really important to just kind of um, show that up, if you like, with a good performance, a good result tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's not a case of like being negative for the sake of it. It's just as, again, going back to the injury-prone thing, it's like one of those things where it's the, there's always this thing in your back of your mind where as well as it's, as good as it's been, there's that worry, what if it does what it did last season where we had that bad run? And fair enough, you can say, yeah, we, we've, we've got good results in the Cup, but we need to get promoted this season, as we've said, pretty much every league one season. Um it's like I don't think certainly like at the club I don't think people are like putting their fingers in their ears with that like Johnson said like he's really concerned about what the cup form you know it's positive but it's going to have a potentially have a negative impact and I certainly think on Saturday there was a recognition that something's got to change so I agree with you I think everybody fears that fear from the previous seasons and I think it's definitely uh, definitely something to be addressed it's interesting you know the the cup thing so to go slightly um away from the game tomorrow we've talked about a little bit here and how it's a a distraction or whatever I don't know what you think Jimmy (laughs) we kind of have played scratch teams in those competitions all the way through so and some would argue when the squad was fully fit it was an opportunity to give the players who weren't playing regularly in 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 the league a chance to play games um, and it worked and we played really well and that was what I think that's one of the real positives from this season that when we have made a lot of changes in the in the team we've played very similarly in style um, and being able to replicate that definitely yeah well I, that was one of the I mean I went to the Wigan game that's great. the Wigan game would be a great example of that in, um, in the League Cup where um, we played. We made a lot of changes that game, but we, like you say, we played in versions an identical way, and um, it really highlighted the depth we had uh, in the squad at the time. I think, obviously, now we've had more injuries to sort of what you term first team players. So, it, we 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 sort of discussed the depth. Do we have enough? But I think actually, possibly, if we didn't have the depth we showed in those early cup games, we'd be struggling even more than we are now in terms of uh, what where we are with, with with injuries and stuff. But I think in terms of a cup run overall, it, for me, it's a positive because any game you win is good. And I, I know that's basic, but but it's true. And I think that, um, like Phil alluded to, you have to include those in um, sort of any... Because put it this way, if we'd have lost those games in the cup, I think they definitely would have been included in his losing streak. So I think we should also include those not, wins yeah. to mitigate. No, I don't mean you, but... Just count like, them, but... But um, I think, and I think, just like overall with the cup, it's it's a case of um, it's 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 a good chance for 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 the players, either first teamers or sort of um, backup backup players, if you like, to, to really showcase themselves. I think playing Arsenal obviously 
is no matter who you are in League One to get a tie against to get a tie against Arsenal is great. Um, I, I don't know whether the draw being three hours before kickoff on Saturday maybe been a, been of a bit of distraction for some of the players. You think? Um, oh, I can't, well, can't I saw, see that. Um, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, maybe not. I just saw on in, uh, a couple of the players on Instagram on Saturday lunchtime uh, posting about playing Arsenal about that are being a bit of a dar about it, being like concentrate on the game today, lads. Arsenal's not coming for a few weeks, but um, <clears> I don't know. I, I just think basically that. When it comes to the cup and when it comes to squad depth, I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword for us. Have you gone? I think Jimmy's gone. Oh no, it, we didn't get the end of your point. It's uh, you, you know, what did I can't you know you what you went your internet went so. Sorry, yeah, I was just it's saying all, it's all right. Um, well, you'd have to say sorry. You know, it's not your fault unless you know work for BT like- or whoever it is. <laughs> But the um, I was just saying about the depth. We may by League One standards have a fair bit of squad depth compared to other teams, but whether it's enough given the injuries that we've had is, is the two two different questions. I think the cup though has definitely provided us with a chance to see that we can rely on certain players who maybe a no Brian a great example being that he started the season completely out of everything, had a really good game at Blackpool in the League Cup, has since worked his way into the match day squad and has played well in league games since. Um, and I think he's not the only one. I think our first um, sighting of Broadhead was was his great performance against Wigan. Um, certainly, me might not have been his first game for us, but it was certainly the first time he stood out. And I think Huggins as well in that game. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's it. You know, the depth is, is there. Whether it's enough is another question. But um, the cup, like we said, should never be um, anything other than a, a welcome bonus on top of promotion. Moving on tomorrow, then <clears throat> they've not been great. Other than they'll, they'll be under a lot of pressure. Had some pretty poor results um, against some pretty average teams. Um, so even though our results in the league are being mixed at the moment, there's definitely massive, massive pressure on to win that game tomorrow. You'd like to think they'd be better prepared than they were for the game on Saturday, wouldn't you, Phil? Yeah, I think they have huge um, sort of Sunderland 2018-19 vibes. Um, like on paper, you kind of go, I was a in late one kind of thing. Um, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. They're just drawing too many games. Um, yeah, they, they remind me a lot of probably where Sunderland were in that, that first division where it's a bit of a shock to the system and, um, you know, you'd like to think we're not looking back on that in our fourth season, but unfortunately we are, aren't we? But I think that, I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I don't think we should look too much into their poor recent form because like I said, they've drawn a lot of games. So it's not like they're a mess or anything like that. And they do have good individual talent. Um, but I think that it is also you know, true that if you have realistic top two ambitions, having performed so poorly on Saturday, I think it has absolutely got to be a, a game that you're looking to win because of where they are on the table. And, and I think that, you know, the, I suppose the, the disconcerting thing about Saturday was that someone knew exactly what was coming from Rotherham. We all knew what was coming and they didn't adjust to it. So hopefully it's more in terms of a, whether it's complacency or whatever, it's a, a, a bit of a kick up the backside, if you like, that you have to be at it um, right from minute one and, and hopefully we'll see that big reaction. In terms of team, so McGeady's missing. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of personnel available to select, that probably means Diago has to play again. Um, 
And then you've got, unless Pritchard's back, and he might consider playing Embleton in a wide area, bringing Gooch back in from the start, which again's a bit of an ask because he's been out for a while. Um, <clears throat> what kind of sort of team selection are you expecting tomorrow? Well, I thought Gooch, um, obviously when he came on on on, <clears throat> on Saturday, he um, didn't really probably have a fair crack, crack of the whip given the situation we were in as a team and the fact we'd changed formations. So, so I'd start him uh, tomorrow. I think he the way he plays will probably help us. I think Chef Wed sort of, because they, they're a Darren Moore team, his teams tend to play fairly, you know, like to play football, to use the cliche, probably differently to how Rotherham do. Um, so it may be a case of we 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 want to be pressing them high, we want to be trying to impose our game on them more successfully than we did on Saturday against Rotherham. But um I think Gooch Gooch probably will and should start. I think um, Pritchard uh, it's a game where he may be able to to have some influence given that he probably will be able to use the ball a bit more. He probably will be getting bullied in midfield, probably you know, in the same way he would have been uh, against Rotherham. In a way, kind of like a better version of Crew is how I imagine Sheffield Wednesday will play. Um, trying to play, keep possession, and 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 you know move the ball through the lines, creating moves, um, you know passing passing moves and triangles and stuff. So hopefully we can, and we're good at that ourselves, probably better. I mean, like we were against Crew, we just played the same way but better. Hopefully we can do that again tomorrow. But um, like Phil said, whether it was complacency or what on Saturday that led us to to approach that game how we did, we cannot afford that to happen again. Um, so I think changes will obviously will have to be made, but they should be made anyway because I think there needs to be a, like Johnson said a line in the sand about this. So he needs to show uh, that he's not going to be putting up or accepting anything similar. So I would expect probably Pritchard and Gooch to come in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Evans did as well, given that he did come on also on Saturday and didn't appear to get injured or anything. So hopefully he will be fit, quote unquote fit as it is with Evans to play again. In, in terms of the system that. I think the Sheffield Wednesday play with a back three. Generally, I think they're quite. Um, I think he changes it a lot. I think Does he? Managers who thinks a lot about the opposition and what have you. So they're certainly not someone like Sunderland who have a pretty set way of playing. So yeah, from from what I've the people I've spoken to, it's likely they'll play a back three, but it's certainly not um, certain. Having said that, after watching Saturday's game, I wouldn't be surprised if if they do have a go at playing a back. And if that is the case, is there a temptation to match it up because from the start? I mean, rather than changing it halfway through because we struggled so badly against that system, we are lacking in the in the wide areas, I guess, with McGeady suspended. Would there be a temptation there maybe to go with the wing-backs? You could put Winchester in midfield in that situation and, and give all nine a rest. Yeah, I think it depends, doesn't it, how they're going to play because I don't want to try and get too zonal marking because I'll embarrass myself, but... You know, if they're playing a back three, but they're playing out from the back, then I think they'll want, you know, lots of presence in the final third to try and press them because they'll think they're opportunities. I think it's different if they're going to go really direct, which I don't think they will. Um, but I think you have got to get Evans back in the team. That would be my first port of call. Whether that's giving or nine a rest, which is what I'd probably do, or whether it's playing a, you know, a, a, an old fashioned four three three if you like either or. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's the game to make sweeping changes to how some of them play because I don't think Sheffield Wednesday will look a lot like Rotherham. But there's an argument that, you know, this could be the type of game where what some have done quite well this season could be really effective. Um, so, and I guess that's the, that's where Johnson ends his money, isn't it? He's got to try and anticipate that 
Emery's got to make the call. I, I mean, listen, something clearly has to change from Saturday and I expect there will be three or four changes, I think. Um, but I'm not sure if it's the game to, to, to rip up what they've been doing, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's so much a case of ripping up, ripping it up, but maybe looking at what you've got. And if you, I guess you can view it as, <clears throat> was it a mistake to change it at half time to that system at the weekend? Was it a mistake not to start that way? You know, you wouldn't have thought that we just changed your back three if we haven't trained it. Do you know what I mean? So I know, like, yeah. there's probably, you know, people get sick of people talking about systems, don't they? And like getting bogged down in, you know, all this kind of stuff because a lot of ex-players will say, well, it doesn't really make that much of a difference um, in, in in many respects. So I see what you're saying, Phil. I'm, I, I agree it's not one of those and you should believe in should believe in what, you know, what you do and the fact that it's brought them, you know, nine wins in 14 games. So, yeah, it's 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 just with the lack of personnel maybe in certain areas that you you might be tempted to to try and make some adjustments somewhere. Um, but it'll be an interesting one and a, a really important one given we've got the two cup games and then a break in the league for a little while. Predictions then? Do you fancy just to bounce back, Phil? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be optimistic. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll go with a, I'll go with a two-one win. Two-one, Jimmy. Yeah, um, I uh, well, I always like to be try and be as positive as I can anyway. But I genuinely do think that that we will bounce back too. I think I think uh, we're gonna go two-nil. I'm gonna go. We'll, I think we'll win two-nil. I think. Um, Stuart will score and possibly we haven't had many goals from defenders yet this season so I would be fancy maybe a Tom Flanagan goal as well to make, okay. to make this happen I'll go two all <clears throat> but I am hoping that we win the game <laughs> obviously but I think it's you know with the way the squad is at the moment it's going to be like and like Phil says I've got good individual quality Sheffield Wednesday and it, on the, it's one of those where on the day if the rat is, you know, our defence being the way it is, at times a bit leaky, could be a tough one. But um, I'll I'll say 2-2. Two, two. Um, but the lads will be back on Thursday. Um, I would assume to preview the, the FA Cup game and, and have a look back at the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, I believe Stephen should be back on Monday. Um, who knows? What could happen between now and then? Let's find out. Um, but you know, if it does, it probably means we've won on Saturday because he's only he's I don't think he's <laughs> done one where we've lost his the uh the winning charm. Um so yeah, stay tuned for the rest of the week. Obviously, tune into Wiseman say they'll call it UK as well, because there's always bits and bobs going up on the website. Um and keep an ear out for the pods this week. Thanks for listening. Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.